hope you have been encouraged this morning, even if this is the uh, first time you happen to have walked into our church. Uh, I hope you have been encouraged if you don't know these names and faces and you don't know these stories of just seeing God's faithfulness to us, um, all, of his, all of his children. Uh, if you've got your Bible with you this morning, I'd like to spend a, a few moments with you in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, where we'll be spending a few moments. Day. As has been uh, said uh, multiple times already this morning, we are thankful to God for His faithfulness in giving us this auditorium that we are sitting in this morning. As has also been said, a building is just, at the end of the day, a tool to help us carry out our mission. And you have heard it numerous times, you're probably sick of hearing it, but I'll, I'll say it again because we need to keep remembering it. Our mission as a church is to develop worshipers of Jesus who are growing in the gospel and going with the gospel. That's our mission. And in case there's anyone here that is, is confused by that word gospel, let us tell you what we mean by that. The gospel... The word gospel in the Bible simply means good news. And it is the good news, the Bible says, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried for three days, and then he rose again after three days, the Bible says, according to the scriptures, which is basically the Bible's way of saying exactly the way the Bible promised it. And the Bible also tells us that this is good news because Jesus extends the offer of forgiveness of sins, and new life in Christ to all those who, in his own words, at the beginning of his gospel, repent and believe it. So our mission is what we do. But I want us to take a, a step further back, and I want us to ask a question behind that one, the question behind what it is that we are to do, and I want us to ask the question, why? We know what it is that we are supposed to do, but why are we doing this? And I believe there's an answer to that why question in Colossians chapter 1 that we read together at the beginning of the service in our scripture reading. Why do we pursue this mission of developing worshipers of Jesus who are growing in the gospel and going with the gospel? And the answer is very simple. Jesus. That's why. If you don't remember anything else from this morning, I just want you to remember that. Jesus. That's why. Jesus is the why behind the what. And this passage, I believe, gives us two reasons why Jesus is the motivation for our mission. Our mission is, first of all, motivated, according to Colossians chapter 1, by who Jesus is. It's motivated by who Jesus is. And Colossians 1 shares several amazing truths about the person and work of Jesus Christ, and we don't have time to walk through all of them this morning, 
but I just want to share four of them with you. We see in Colossians chapter 1, first of all, that Jesus is the revelation of God. The Bible says in, in verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Elsewhere, the Bible tells us that, that God dwells in unapproachable light, that no one ever has ever seen Him nor can see Him. And yet, if you're reading through the very opening chapter of John's Gospel, the book of John, the Bible says that, that the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the one and only from the Father, full of grace, and truth. Verse 19 of Colossians 1 tells us that in Him, that is in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So for anyone that has ever wondered if God wants you to know Him, Jesus is proof. Because He is the revelation of the fullness of the glory of God. And when you see the glory of God, as the Bible says, in the, the face of Jesus Christ, you are seeing God's revelation of Himself to you. Secondly, in Colossians 1, as we're looking at who Jesus is, it tells us that He is the Creator of all things. Verse 16 says, By Him were all things created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things were created through Him. In other words, everything that exists, whether you can see it or not, owes its existence to His creative work. A week ago, my family was uh, sitting on our back patio having dinner together. And we looked up into the sky as we were having dinner together, and flying over our heads were thousands and thousands of dragonflies. I've never seen anything like it before, but when we looked up, it seemed that they were just above the roof line of our house. And, and, and they seemed to be moving in a, a haphazard manner, flitting all over the place, but then you could look into the sky and see that there was a whole trail of them blazing a path directly over our roof. Later that night, I pulled out a telescope that I have been very extendedly borrowing from someone in our church. It might be at the point of stealing now. <laughs> so I was looking into the night sky and... Through this telescope, I could see three or four of the moons of Jupiter. Jupiter has at least 92 moons, and I could see four of them. From the dragonflies that were just above my roof line to the moons of Jupiter that are some 536 million miles away, everything from my roof line to there and in between and even beyond, Jesus created all of it. But not only is Jesus the creator of all things, but verse 17 tells us that he is also the sustainer of all things. Verse 17 says, in him all things hold together. There is a scientific explanation for what those dragonflies were doing, and I don't know what it is. 
But if I was to take the time to Google it, I'm sure I would find immediately that this is how dragonflies migrate, or whatever it is that dragonflies do. And this is why they're going in this path, and this is why they're going in this direction. There's a, there's a scientific explanation for all of that. Furthermore, there is a scientific explanation for how these 92-some moons of Jupiter engage in century after century after century out of this dance, where everything is swirling and moving and, 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 and uh, rotating not only around Jupiter, but Jupiter itself is rotating, and that's rotating around the sun. And, and all of these things are happening, and there are scientific explanations for all of those things, but then under the scientific explanation for that is the Son of God, who is holding all things together, the Bible says, by the word of His power. In other words, it's effortless for Him to hold all these things together. Jesus is the sustainer of all but then we see in the fourth place that Jesus is the why of all things. Jesus is the why of all things. Verse 16 tells us that all things were created through him and for him. So we can talk about the fact that dragonflies exist. We can talk about the fact that Jupiter exists and its moons orbit around it, we can, we can know that it exists, but by, the Bible tells us that Jesus actually is the why that that exists. Dragonflies exist for him. The moons of Jupiter exist for him. The things that no human eyes have seen elsewhere in the galaxies exist for him. You exist for him. Everything and all creation exists for Christ. He is our ultimate purpose and our ultimate end. Which means that you can't begin to live aligned with your purpose as a human being if you do not understand your purpose in Him. Hence, our mission. Growing in our understanding of the good news and then going with that good news to others. So Jesus is the why behind our mission, and we've seen in Colossians chapter 1 that he that we are motivated for that mission, first of all, by, by who Jesus is, but secondly, we're motivated for that mission by what Jesus does. What Jesus does. Let me read with you again some verses in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. The Bible says, For in him, that is in, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, talking to us, you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy 
and blameless and above reproach before him. So you can see from these verses that there is a problem. We, we recognize that Jesus is the revelation of God. That Jesus is the creator of everything that we can see and can't see. That Jesus is the sustainer of all things. That Jesus is the why. He is the end. He is the purpose of all things. And yet there is a problem. Who you are is not aligned with who he is. Naturally speaking. So here's what Jesus does. He takes alienated, hostile sinners. We don't like to think of ourselves that way because that is an affront to the way that we want to feel about ourselves. But these are the words that the Bible uses to describe human beings apart from Christ in our natural state. We are alienated from life in God. We are estranged from our Creator. And this alienation from our Creator, this estrangement from real life in God is, is not that we have just kind of grown apart over time, that these, these sorts of things just happen and what is one to do? No, this has happened. We're estranged from God because we are in our minds Hostile to God in our natural state. And because in our natural state we are hostile to God in mind and thus alienated from God, our lives are often characterized by evil deeds. Now when we read things like this in the Bible about, uh, about evil deeds, doing evil deeds, we, we may tend to gloss over that and think that's talking about people who are bad. And those people are not me. Now, thank God that we're not all as bad as we could be. If we were all as bad as we could be, we would be insufferable to be around. So thank God that we're not all as bad as we could be. But the fact that we are not all as bad as we could possibly be does not change the fact that each one of us are born sinners. The Bible says we, we have all sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there is no one who is righteous, not even one. We have rejected God's will, God's ways. We are like sheep, the Bible says, who have gone astray. Yet, the Bible tells us that this, that this great Jesus... It was the perfect revelation of God, God himself, God the Son, the creator, sustainer, and point of everything, he takes alienated, hostile sinners, and he makes peace with them through the blood of his cross. There is a reconciliation that needs to occur between us and God because of our sin. This reconciliation, this, this peace, comes at a cost. And that cost is what the Bible refers to as the blood of his cross. So I say again, the gospel is the good news 
that those who are alienated from God by their sin can be reconciled with God through the death of his son on the cross. Jesus is the why behind the what. We have a desire as a church to carry out this mission that God has given us because we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that Jesus really is the way he is presented to us in the Bible. And, and, and we have experienced him. You have experienced the work of Jesus in your own life. This is not just something cerebral that we read in the scriptures, but you have actually met him, and you have actually been changed by him, and you actually have a, rebel, a, a, a relationship with him, and that's why we do this. And this reconciliation that Jesus is going to accomplish, and that Jesus has already has already begun to accomplish through his death and burial and resurrection is nothing short of a cosmic reconciliation. You see, Jesus isn't just working to reconcile individual lost sinners here and there, though he is certainly doing that, but the Bible passage that we've read says that he intends to reconcile all things through his work. Which means that one day we look forward to a fact, to, to the fact of a creation that is restored, a creation filled with redeemed children of God who are living in perfect alignment with their created purpose, in perfect alignment with their creator, in perfect alignment with each other and our environment. Everything, all cosmically reconciled through Christ. We believe that Jesus does that. And that's the why behind our mission. So let me just pause for a moment and say that each week we have people with us who are not followers of Jesus. And that's good, because we want our church to be filled with people who don't yet know Jesus. We'd like to introduce you. And if you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, then we, as the Bible says, beg you, we beseech you, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, as his ambassadors, be reconciled with God. The good news of the gospel is that you, where you are sitting in your seat right now, can repent and believe the good news. You, where you're sitting in your seat right now, can experience the loss of alienation and estrangement from your Creator. You can be forgiven of your sins you can begin the path towards this reconciliation that we all look forward to. If you need to talk to somebody after the service, one of our pastors, Mark Albright, will be here at the corner. He'd love to talk more with you about that. I'm almost done. And I just heard somebody laugh. <laughs> I take that as a challenge. <laughs> I really am almost Why is this important? Why is, it so, why is it important that we ask the question behind the question, not only the what that we're supposed to do, but the why? 
Why must we not lose sight of Jesus? And I want to answer that question in two ways. First of all, when we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of our sense of purpose. When we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of our sense of purpose. Churches can get distracted by all kinds of things. And start chasing rabbits in the wrong direction. Churches can get end up being characterized by activity rather than purpose. Where we're just doing stuff. And we assume because we're doing stuff, we must be on the right track. You can do a lot of stuff and lose sight of the goal. May that not be true of us. May we not lose our sense of purpose that is rooted in Jesus. A second reason it's important is when we lose sight of Jesus, we lose our source of power. Once again, churches are engaged in doing all kinds of things that churches can do without Jesus. That's the scary thing about it. There are all kinds of things that we can do without Him. And we can assume because we have measurable things that we're doing without Him that we must be doing the right things. Yet it's already been prayed this morning, it's already been mentioned a couple of times, what we need is for Jesus to do a work of reconciliation for us to, 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 to join us once again to our Creator, to our Father. And the only way that happens is through the blood of His cross. Jesus is the only one who can reconcile lost sinners with God. And so we need to make sure that we do not rely on our own strength, or creativity, or ingenuity, or all kinds of other things that might distract us, and remember that only the power of the gospel reconciles sinners to God. Let's not lose sight of Jesus, because when we do that, we will lose our sense of purpose, and we will lose our source of power, and we will be here day after day, doing stuff for no reason. And for those of us who have been here a long time, churches go through shifts and changes. And the church today looks different than it looked 30 years ago. We no longer rent a hotel room for our nursery. If you've been here a long time, I want to invite you to recommit yourself to this vision of Jesus. Maybe you have only been here, maybe this is your first Sunday, or maybe you've only been here for a month or so, and you're still not feeling like you can say, well, this is, this is my church, and you feel like somewhat of a spectator now. And I just want to say we would invite you to, to join in with us in this mission that's rooted in 
Today we are giving thanks for this building that we are enjoying this morning. We're giving thanks for all the work that God has done for us. But we do remember that this building is simply a tool for our mission. Why do we pursue this mission? Jesus. That's why. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful to you for what you have done. Lord, our prayer this morning is that we would not get distracted by mere activity that in the doing of church things that we would actually lose sight of the reason we're doing them in the first place. So I pray that you would make Jesus big to us. I pray that once again he would fill our days. That we would seek him in his beauty and his glory. And that we would seek our purpose in him. We thank you for the work of Christ on our behalf taking lost sinners and reconciling us to our Creator. I pray that you would help us not to lose sight of our sense of purpose or our source of power. And Lord, if there is somebody here with us this morning who does not know Jesus, I pray today would be the day that they experience the joy of sins forgiven and life in Christ. We ask these things in the name of Jesus.